Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of Dave Walker, joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, we had our third to last game, and now we only have two to watch remaining, so I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, the, the misery will soon be over. Yeah. Um, and as usual, we're back to recap another Falcons loss, this time to the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 15 of the 2020 NFL season. The Falcons lost this game 27 to 31, and yet that score does not tell the whole story because mm-hmm. the Falcons have a 17 to nothing lead at halftime. So, yes, Falcons fans, they blew another lead in the second half. I know this is shocking to some of you who are so used to the Falcons winning games like this. Um, if you're from the past where they used to hold on to leads like this, hmm. um, congratulations on waking up from a coma. Um, but the Falcons did blow another lead. Uh, so real quick, uh, some things that happened in this game, Matt Ryan uh, tied and then passed Fran Tarkenton in this game for 10th all time in, uh, for touchdowns. So he is uh, in number 10 by himself. Fran Tarkenton moves to 11 uh, with his three touchdown passes on the day. Uh, Evan will cover some of those stats a little bit later. Uh, as I mentioned, the Falcons did have a 17 to nothing uh, lead at halftime, which meant they gave a, they gave up 31 points in the second half, 21 points in the third quarter alone. Uh, and the first half protection for the Falcons was actually very, very good for Matt Ryan. And it essentially fell apart in the second half uh, with some injuries on the offensive line uh, that we will also recap. Um, re, the, the, the injury situation coming in for the Falcons, though, uh, they were missing quite a few guys. Um, and, you know, Evan, I know you you handle the injury report every every week. Why don't you give us the rundown of the Falcons players who missed this game as well as uh, who was out for the Bucs? Mm-hmm. So for the Falcons inactives, um, there was no Julio Jones who's been continuously dealing with a hamstring injury, which has caused him to only play in nine games. Um, but reportedly he wants to still play this season. Uh, he got some sort of injection, so maybe he'll be back soon. Uh, Quadri Allison, Darquez Denard, Ricardo Allen, who still has a concussion, um, John Wetzel, and Marlon Davidson all missed the game for the Falcons. And on the Buccaneers' end, uh, quarterback Ryan Griffin, kicker Greg Joseph, tight end Anthony Auclair, wide receiver Justin Watson, and defensive lineman Khalil Davis all uh, were inactive. Yeah, and during the game, you mentioned the um... – this fact, I want to point it out here before we go into some of the injuries that happened during the game, because mm-hmm. I don't this player was listed as being injured at all. I didn't see any injury updates for him during the game, but that is right tackle Caleb McGarry. Um, now, 
again, those injury updates have been indicating he's been missing practices due to a quote unquote personal matter, which mm-hmm. obviously the team not disclosed what that personal matter is. Um, but during the game, he at one point, Matt Gono, I believe, started at right tackle. And yep. at one point, Gary came in and then he went out again. So uh, what's your take on that? Um, Evan, do you, do you have any thoughts, any updates on what's going on with uh, um, the starting tackle? I saw an update throughout the week that it was a family emergency situation. So, you know, I don't know the specifics, obviously, but, you know, taking it from that, um, it doesn't sound like it's an injury related situation. Um, he did miss last week where Gono started and then Gono, as you mentioned, got to start today against the Buccaneers. And he came in for a little bit and then he left again. Um, but it really hasn't been touched on by the team. So that's something to monitor. Um, you know, playoffs obviously out of it and we want the best for McGarry's situation. But it is kind of bizarre to see him there but not playing and then come in and then leave again um, if it's a like a family matter. So just hope the best for him, whatever he's going through. Um, but, yeah, he – uh, it looks like it might be Gono um, going forward if, you know, this continues to linger on. Yeah, more than likely, we we just aren't going to find out unless uh, McGarry says something himself about the situation. So really, really odd. Uh, and, you know, Gono, I think to his credit, played well last week. And I think mm-hmm. he played well again in this game. Uh, and Evan, as you know, you, you keep up with the PFF scores. I think he actually was one of our better ranked offensive linemen last week. We'll see how mm-hmm. that plays out this week, though. Yeah, he. I mean, he's been solid, as you can expect, from someone who's also, you know, had to fill in at other positions while he's been in Atlanta. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I like what I've seen at right tackle. Um, so, I mean, that's what I mean. If, if there's something major going on, we clearly don't know as of this recording. So, uh, you know, more action for Magono at right tackle. Yep, and uh, – for a guy that I think is going to be relied on as a potential swing tackle for the future, um, the, these kind of reps are important, especially in the season that is essentially already done for. Um, all right. Injuries that happened during the game. Uh, Jaden Graham left in uh, the last play of the first half, which was a tackle on a kickoff return. Uh, looked like he had suffered a shoulder injury. I didn't mm-hmm. see whether he came back in later. Uh, I don't recall him coming back into the game. Um, Bleedy Ray Wilson uh, – went out in the first half and did not return due to an illness. They didn't say what the illness was. Obviously, during a pandemic, it makes you a little bit hesitant. Um, James Carpenter uh, left the game again. Justin McRae ended up spending a a good bit of time at left guard. uh, Again, with Carpenter's that groin injury, the same one that kept him out for a couple games previously. Uh, He did not return. And Isaiah Oliver went out in the second half with cramping. Uh, I do not recall if he finished this game. I don't think he did as we saw some guys like Tyler Hall finishing out in the uh, corner position. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the injuries that happened during the game. Obviously, keep your eyes at thefalcolic.com for updates on these guys as we go into the next game next week. Um, Evan, tell us what the Falcons' offense did today because this felt like uh, a drastic improvement from what we got last week. Yeah, I mean, they came out looking hot too. Uh, Matt Ryan had 49 attempts, but he completed 34 of them. For 356 yards, three touchdowns, pass rating of 110.6. As we've seen in the past, the run game was abysmal, nothing really going. Um, Ito Smith, I guess you could say, led the day with six carries for 24 yards. He also had two receptions for nine yards. Um, Todd Gurley 
literally a non-factor, had one carry for negative one yards. Um, but he did have a nice catch early on, um, but he totaled two receptions for 15 yards. And then Brian Hill had five carries for negative two yards. So if Gurley and Hill just didn't get off the bus, they would have had more rushing yards than they did today. Uh, yeah, that's just not not great. In the receiving day, though, uh, Calvin Ridley continues to shine when Julio's out, too. Um, 10 receptions on 14 targets, 163 yards and a touchdown, a long of 33. Russell Gage looked really good. He had 10 tar- targets, caught five of them for 68 yards and a touchdown, a long of 27. Keith Smith, the fullback, had, randomly had some targets. He had three catches for 32 yards. Um, Hayden Hurst, you know, finally had like, I guess you could clear, you know, say it's a bounce back game. Um because in the past couple weeks, he's had like one one catch here and there. Um, but he had four receptions for 21 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that pretty much does it. Laquan Treadwell had a catch for 14 yards. You know, some of that kind of mixed in. But Calvin Ridley just exploded. I mean, 10 receptions, 163 yards and a touchdown. Um, they, they do – the Falcons, if they're doing one thing right, it's going from – having number, number one receiver to number one receiver, you know, Roddy White to Julio Jones to now Calvin Ridley. Um, because when Julio doesn't play, Ridley has pretty much stepped up every time. So, Yeah, and that's, I mean, you can't uh, overemphasize how amazing it is to go from true number one receiver to true number one receiver to true number one receiver. That mm-hmm. uh, is actually somewhat rare, and the Falcons have nailed it with uh, you know some of their wide receiver picks over the years, including Russell Gage, who was a sixth-round pick and has turned into a very, very effective uh, number three wide receiver. Uh, and as you mentioned, had a, a really solid day at the office again today too. Um, mm. I, I will say, I think Matt Ryan looked much sharper. He did have some missed throws in this game. Um, but I felt like the story of the offense was far more about the protection than the second half, uh, mm-hmm. where I think Ryan was sacked three times in the second half and on key downs. Um, and it was about the defense really more than what the offense did. They, they put up 27 points. They probably could have put up uh, a few more uh, potentially at the end of the game. But ultimately, when you give up 31 points in a single half, uh, I don't think you can look to the offense and say that it's, you know, all on their shoulders. Well, and what's also a problem is there's zero run game. When people want to bash Matt Ryan, especially towards the end here, as we near towards the end of the season, people are talking more about what they should pick in the draft. Um, Matt Ryan has zero run game. I mean, six, you're leading rushers, six carries for 24 yards. Matt Ryan alone had 16 yards on a carry. Um, he had the longest rush of the day. Like you can't blame him for that. And when defenses know you can't run the ball, they know to play the pass. And that's pretty much what the Buccaneers tried to do today. Yeah. And Ryan passed it 49 times, 49 times. Um, So this is, uh, I don't know what you can do uh, other than just blow up the offense and, uh, try to start over again on that side of the ball. So, um, you know, that's – it's I, – I really – I have zero patience for people saying this was on Ryan when, uh, you know, two of your running backs, as you mentioned, literally registered negative rushing yards for the game, not on the play, for the entire game. Um, you know, between Gurley and Hill, uh, six carries for negative three yards. I mean, come on. Holy crap. You know, and by the way, Edo Smith, six carries, 24 yards, a 4.0 average. Again, 
just emphasizing why in the world is Edo Smith not the starter at this point? He is the only running back that has been consistently effective and was even the only one that was effective in pass blocking. Uh, Todd Gurley missed uh, out big on one of the sacks where uh, it should have been him on the blitz pickup and he completely whiffed on it. So in my mind, Edo Smith has earned the right to get a solid look next year, at least as part of a rotation. Uh, and he honestly should be starting for the last two games for the Falcons in this season. Um, but with his coaching staff, who knows how they'll handle it. Um, as for the Buccaneers uh, on defense, obviously they didn't have any uh, uh, interceptions. All three sacks came from Devin White, who also had 10, 10 tackles for the day, four for a loss. Um, absolutely brutal when you have one player that is just piling up the sacks like that. It tells you something uh, was getting missed by the Falcons, uh, including pass uh, blitz pickups from uh, our running backs. You know, I, I threw Gurley under the bus, and actually Keith Smith missed one as well that set up another uh, Devin White sack late in the game. Uh, otherwise, uh, Carlton Davis was second on the team with seven tackles, uh, a couple other guys with four and three down the list. And honestly, you know, the, the Bucks' defense I don't think was necessarily – Dominant. I, th- I feel like the Falcons' offense, sort of uh, in the second half, missed some opportunities. They, you know, passes that were just a, a hair too long, or drops, uh, or uh, in some cases, Calvin Ridley trying to make a play instead of running north south and you know failing to get conversions. It was just a, a, a handful of things. I don't think the Bucks necessarily were dominant on the defensive side in the second half. They just they ran into a Falcons team that just collapsed in on itself. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, to be fair, Atlanta scored in all four quarters. They scored seven in the first quarter, 10 in the second, seven in the third, and in three in the fourth. Um, uh, in normal circumstances, that wins you a game. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, fans are going to throw Ryan under the bus. I don't feel like this was that game. Uh, you, There's plenty of things to cre- criticize Ryan for in the past, you know, for this entire season, but this game is not one of them. Um, all right, so with that, we're going to talk about what the Bucks did on offense, which unfortunately all happened in the second half and is pretty painful. Um, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I am here with Evan Birchfield. We are recapping the Falcons' brutal loss to the Buccaneers, 31-27. to Yes, they blew another lead to Tom Brady. I'm sure all of you are happy about that. <laughs> uh, maybe Some of you may be happy in the fact that uh, this certainly uh, will ensure the Falcons end up very close to the top 10, and maybe if they continue this, they will potentially be in the top five for the uh, 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, with uh, two more games to go. So we talked about what the Falcons offense did. Evan, tell us what the Bucks offense did in this game with Tom Brady at the helm. Well, first off, Tom Brady is now 7-0 all-time against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he was 
his best streak was tied last week when he beat the Vikings. So it was the Falcons and Vikings, both 6-0. So the Falcons were with somebody for one week, and they took the record back, and they are now 7-0, and or he is now 7-0 and against them all time, which is just embarrassing. But also, I think the fashion in which he won this game, um, just, you know, there's no luck on the Falcon side. Uh, but he had 31, 31 completions for 390 yards and two touchdowns, a pass rating of 110.4. Um, Ronald Jones, who's normally their lead running back, uh, is on the COVID list, so he was unable to play today. Uh, so Leonard Fournette, formerly with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he took the reins and he had 14 carries for 49 yards, two touchdowns, along the 17. Um, he was more of a goal line usage back. Uh, he wasn't doing a whole lot on the ground, um, but he, when he needed to score, he scored. So that's what mattered most. Um, through the air, Mike Evans, who left briefly with a little injury, he had seven targets, caught six of the passes for 110 yards. Antonio Brown had probably his best game of the season. Sure, you know, who, who would have thought that? Um, five receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown, along of 46, where he pretty much just burnt uh, undrafted free agent Tyler Hall. Not sure why that was a matchup, um, but it is what it is at this point. Um, Cameron Brate had four receptions for 54 yards. Uh, Godwin had four catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a pretty good day through the air, too. I think the difference is the run game worked more than ours um, when it mattered yeah. most. So. Yeah, and I, I, again, I think with um, this second half, the story is about the Falcons' defense. The time of possession, they, they literally let Brady do what he does. And, you know, Brady did beat them deep on a couple of plays, but really what you saw through most of this game – was Brady hitting the the quick outs, the quick passes to his receivers and then letting them do all the work. Um, you know, the pass to Antonio Brown was certainly a good one, the one that went for a touchdown. But it was against essentially an undrafted free agent corner, Tyler Hall, uh, who somehow ended up in one-on-one coverage against Antonio Brown, uh, which is never a good formula for success. So, you know, at this point, the Bucks winning was not a surprise. Tom Brady winning was not a surprise. Um, the fact that the Falcons blew a lead against Tom Brady was not a surprise. Uh, if if you came into this game and in the first half you were celebrating what the Falcons' defense was doing, um, I blame you for celebrating way too early knowing <laughs> this Falcons team never celebrate the first half of a Falcons game. Never, ever celebrate the first half of a Falcons game. Um, as for the Falcons' defense, uh, what they did in this game, uh, Deion Jones, who I believe leads the team in sacks, which should tell you a lot about the uh, pass rush of this team, uh, he did end up with another sack in this game. Uh, he had five tackles on the day. Keanu Neal uh, led the team in with seven tackles. He had a tackle for loss. Um, Sherrod Neesman on a blitz also added in a sack, uh, which was uh, a nice to see him get in on the action as well. And uh, Grady Jarrett also picked up a sack. So the Falcons with three sacks on the day, uh, pretty good for, you know, against a Bucks offensive line. That's actually a, a pretty good unit. I'd also like to point out Isaiah Oliver, I think, had a relatively good game. Uh, he did give up some plays, but uh, he has turned into one of our best tacklers on this team. Uh, he has six tackles on the day. Uh, Deion Jones, Foyer, and A.J. Terrell all added five additional tackles uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And of course, 
no interceptions, uh, no turnovers, although Isaiah Oliver did force a fumble that he failed to uh, follow up on. So Falcons' defense in the first half was lights out, uh, played extremely well. And I think they had, you know, people were watching that and thinking, oh, man, if this team, if this defense would just show up every week for four quarters, they could be a top unit. And uh, they went from being, you know, a bottom third of the league defense uh, to, you know, top four in DVOA, which is an advanced statistic from football outsiders. So the Falcons defense has legitimately improved dramatically this season. Um, Unfortunately, in this game, they were the story in my mind. Uh, uh, The second half, giving up 31 points and a half. And ultimately, Evan, I think for me, and Mm -hmm. I'd like to get your take on this, the, the thing that stands out is the fact that the Falcons defense, you know, I, I pointed out that Deion Jones and Sherrod Neesman have two, had two of the sacks. You've got a linebacker and a safety. Um, Grady Jarrett picked up a sack, which he is always prone to do unless he gets penalized randomly by the refs. Um, but to me, that's the story of this Falcons defense is they cannot generate pressure with mm-hmm. just their front four. They're having to use linebackers. They're having to use safeties to get to the quarterback. And in the second half of this game, uh, Tampa was able to adjust to that. And those blitzes were not getting home the way that they did in the first half. So I I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that this uh, Falcons defense is still going to be constrained by what they do with the pass rush? Yeah. um, I mean, we've seen it all year. And also just to add on the Grady Jarrett sack, um, it won't show up in the stat sheet, but Foy Alucon, um basically deserves credit for that because he initially broke through the line. Um, I believe he was being guarded by Gronk on the outside. He got in. Uh, Brady was ready to throw the ball and basically tucked it down, which caused him to avoid the sack by Alucon, but Grady was right there and just ran in and tackled him. Um, so, I mean, Foy basically caused yeah. that to be a sack, even though he won't receive any credit on the stat sheet for it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no, there's no pass rush. I mean, aside from, as you mentioned, linebackers and safeties, people who generally have other jobs to do, but the guys on the outside rushing in our defensive ends, uh, and then interior outside of Grady Jarrett, they're not doing their jobs. Um, and that's why I think that's one of the main places they're going to have to continue to look as they always do every off season and continue to look because Fowler, you paid him all this money. He's not, he's not good. Like he just isn't. He, he, I, I say it every, every week. I feel like um, he, he needs to be surrounded by other great players to like, he benefits it off of, you know, for example, when he was with the Rams, having Aaron Donald, he benefited off of that. Anybody would. The Falcons, for some reason, thought he would be a pass rusher um, by himself, even though looking at literally every year before joining the Rams, um, he struggled, and Jacksonville, he struggled too. Uh, so, I mean, that's just something they're going to have to deal with long-term because I don't think it, they're going to be able to just cut him without losing some, you know, getting some dead cap space and stuff like that. But it, it's a problem, and it lingers on every season, it seems like. Yeah, this is this is the ongoing struggle of the Atlanta Falcons. It's the pass rush. It's the pass rush. It's the pass rush. And look, I, I do want to give credit to them for you know this coaching staff. 
since they've moved on from Dan Quinn, they understand that they can't generate pressure with the front four. They've been blitzing a lot more than Dan Quinn ever did. Dan Quinn was a firm believer in, in just relying on your front four uh, to generate pressure, even when they just consistently couldn't do it. He would still you know, uh, just rely on it. And at least Jeff Ulbrich and Raheem Morris have decided it ain't getting done with a front four. We need to blitz, which is why you've got guys like uh, Foye Luakun and uh, Deion Jones racking up sacks this year. It's because they know they can't get it done. But as a recipe for long-term success, if you lean on the blitz, you're leaving something open in the secondary potentially. And you really, if you're going to blitz often, you know, you're, you're going to get burned occasionally. And I think we saw that in this game, especially when the blitz could not get home in the second half. You know, it was great in the first half. They were taking down Brady and they, they were taking him down in some key spots. But right now, that front four outside of Grady Jarrett, it's Grady Jarrett and a bunch of other guys. Like, literally. And look, I like Stephen Means. I like Jacob Tuioti Mariner. Um, these are guys that I think are going to be decent in a rotational role. But right now, we, we are literally relying on them to be consistent uh, guys to provide pressure. And that's just not who they are. They're, they are not going to be 8, 10, 14 you know, sack-a-year guys. These are guys that will add two or three a year uh, in, in a limited rotation. Um, and as you mentioned, we're paying Dante Fowler a lot of money to produce absolutely nothing on the field. He has produced – I could get on the field and probably produce the same amount of pressure as Dante Fowler has been producing. Um, in the same way, Evan, you mentioned the, the running backs could have stayed on the bus – and had more rushing yards than they did today. Um, Dante Fowler could have stayed on the bus and been just as effective as a pass rusher uh, as he was today, which is just entirely, you know. And the thing is, he's got a three-year deal. Uh, he will be here next year. From a cap standpoint, they cannot let him go. The soonest that he will be gone off this team will be 2022. So, you know, the team is kind of stuck with him. Let's hope that the next, you know, coaching staff that comes in sees some opportunities to make better use of him. Um, Evan, before we close out, any final thoughts on this game or what we've got coming up? The next two weeks, you know, the Falcons will face on the road. The yeah. Chiefs. <laughs> Arguably. Uh, I'm sorry, the, come again. The, the most, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, one of the best teams in the league right now. And then we finished uh, the season on the road against Tampa Bay, who will probably still – uh, with the way the season is going, they will probably still be playing for some purpose because if the Saints lose today, um, you know the Tampa could be within a game of you know looking at uh, you know even winning mm-hmm. NC South uh, with the Saints playing pretty poorly. So uh, it could be that we're going to face two teams that still have a lot to play for. So any final thoughts on this game? Or what um, got well, specifically up? to this game, and normally if. You know, the playoffs were on the line or if I actually fully need like if we needed the Falcons to win, um, you know, let's give a shout out to the refs who were just hot garbage this whole game, even to the end where it was Leonard Fournette was clearly short of the first down marker. They had several angles. They even literally had the uh, markers up (laughs) with it being like a good two inches short. And they still gave them the first down to end the game. Um, 
like if I if I had reason to care, I'd put more energy into this. But I just want to spend a moment to really appreciate how just like garbage that was at the end. Like nobody's going to care because it really didn't amount to anything. The Falcons, you know, weren't making the playoffs if they won or something. But if that was an important game, you would be hearing more about this because that was insanely bad. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, I always want the Falcons to win, but it, they lost and it helps our draft position. Uh, overall, we still have no run game. That's not going to be solved until you have a new offensive coordinator, or offensive minded head coach. Um, that is the sole problem in my eyes, because the passing game can only do so much before you need to bleed the clock. 24 to 7 in the third quarter, closer to the fourth quarter at that point. Um, you you got to be able to run the ball and chew the clock, and they couldn't do it. And you, you're you up 24 to 7. You should be able to win those games. Like I said, though, it benefits the Falcons overall by losing. Um, as much as you don't want to build, you know, be a culture team of losing, but you know, it, it, you got to wipe the slate clean, get some new people in here. That's all. I don't know. I'm just kind of burnt out. And we've, me and DW has been burnt out the last couple of weeks. You see this team, they're up big. Yeah. They're up big like this. And you can't even get excited with a 24 to seven lead in the third quarter as you draw near the fourth quarter, because this team has choking fabricated in their DNA. Um, and it's not even a surprise anymore. You almost expect it. Got to get, everybody we can out of here because it's built in the culture. Dan Quinn and Dimitrov haven't been here for a while and they're still blowing these kind of games. So yeah, I'm just kind of burnt out <laughs> if you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need, I'm, I'm with you. We, we need fresh. Voices. I don't remember being excited for a any- season to literally come to an end. Cause I'm like excited for the off season because yeah. like this, this is a waste of time. It feels like. These games are like meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am with you, man. It, this this is painful. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for those of you who are listening, uh, we, we truly, truly appreciate you. Appreciate you listening in. Uh, I hope that our voices are your voices. That you know that this frustration is because we are all, also Falcons fans. Uh, we want to see this team win. We want to see them be better. Going through another painful losing season, the Falcons are four and ten now. The best they can finish is six and ten, which was the second you know the record they had in their second season under Mike Smith, uh, second losing season under Mike Smith when he got fired in two thousand fourteen. Um, realistically, they will probably you know looking at the two teams that are left, they'll probably finish four and twelve, which was the two thousand thirteen record. Um, this is not fun. Uh, we hate it just as much, but you know what? Uh, we'll be back in for the next two weeks to recap whatever whatever the hell happens because this team certainly has the capacity to blow our minds and frustrate us in ways that we never expected. Um, all right, Evan, remind our listeners where they can find you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield, uh, doing the daily injury reports throughout the week on the com. We can find literally everything Falcons related. We've got a stable of talented writers doing all kinds of stuff. Um, as we draw near the end of the season here, we've got more draft stuff on there. I know Eric Robinson and uh, Kevin Knight are doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just 
you know, me and DW, along with all the rest of our writers, we're all fans first. We just happen to also write about the team and cover the team. So if you can't tell, we're actually like affected by this team being garbage, just like you all are. So thanks yeah. for, you know, those who are still here with us, listen to us every week. We appreciate it. We do, truly. Um, I don't think we say that enough. And if you guys haven't heard that from us before, I want to reemphasize that. Uh, you're listening in, tuning into this podcast weekly. Uh, we, we do truly, truly appreciate that. Hopefully you guys will continue to do so even as we go through uh, the, a literal hell the next two weeks. All right, guys, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at the FalcoholicFalcoholic.com. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.